Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. Welcome to our late night recording. How are you feeling? Are you punchy? <laughs> a little bit. A little punchy, <laughs> yeah. The intro's perfect. Thank you, yeah. As if we haven't done a late night recording before. They don't have to know that. <laughs> they don't have to know. Okay, uh, yeah, never done that before. No, 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 but I don't, we don't typically record um, after I worked a whole shift. Usually it's like on a day that I'm not working. So I just got home from work and now we're recording, which is like, I'm a little punchy. Ooh, yeah, I'll see how it goes. And also (laughs) I barely slept, so I'm a little tired, but it's good. It'll just, it'll just make it more spicy, I think. Well, (laughs) spicy. It'll give it some flavor. Yes. Yes. Flavor. Oh, yes. Um, Yeah. Do we have anything we got to get off our chests before we say our story? Uh, No. No? I guess not. Okay. Amazing. Well, then let's just let's just freaking do it, shall yeah. we? Let's jump in. Who's, jump who in. are we talking about? We are gonna be talking about Harrison Ojegba Okene. I love that name. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Pretty sick. Uh, and I got my my uh, sources. Yeah, I got my sources from an article uh, from explorersweb.com written by Alex Mile, an article from The Guardian, an article from G Captain, and a YouTube video called The Infographic Show on YouTube. Yes, let's get into it. So today's story is about the then 29-year-old Harrison Ojegba Okene. And in 2013, Harrison was working as a cook on the Tuscan 4, which was one of the one of three tugboats about 20 miles off the coast of Escravos, Nigeria. The boats were a part of an offshore oil rig operation in the South Atlantic Ocean. And on May 26th, the boats were performing tension tow functions on a Chevron oil tanker and filling up at the single buoy mooring number three. And I know exactly what that means, Mm -hmm. right? Don't you? Yep. We all do. Amazing. There was an ongoing piracy problem in the Gulf. So due to safety protocols that the crew had to follow every night, the 12-man crew would have to lock themselves into their rooms at night. Excuse me? They could take over the ship, but they couldn't get to the people? I guess. That's but I, interesting. I feel like if you're a pirate, you could just kick down the door, no? Yeah, I mean, is that I what, would imagine like, you have, like, guns, you just shoot out the door, and yeah. then, surprise, I feel like, you're fucked. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like when I think about, like, a piracy problem, I think about Captain Jack Sparrow, which is very much not what it is. <laughs> But I, I picture, like, swords and, like, s- yeah. swashbuckling. And... No, a little bit more sinister. Yeah, it's a little bit like, I'm the captain now kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, okay, so they had to they had to lock themselves in their rooms. Yeah. It's a little unsettling. Yeah, it is. I mean, every night, that's it. that must have been a really big problem for them to be doing that, like, just normally, you know? Also, if the boat were go- to go down... I would imagine that that is not conducive to an escape. That is true. Anyway, let's move on. So, <laughs> shut up. Shut up. There was... Oh, I already read that sentence. Okay, so um, 
As usual, Harrison Okene woke up early that morning around 5 a.m. in the morning because he was the cook on the ship. Did I already say that? I don't even know. You did. Okay, amazing. He was the cook and he had to wake up early to cook everyone breakfast. So he woke up at 5 a.m., you know, a little, bo- a little bit before than he usually would have woken up. And before preparing his meal or, you know, everyone's meal, he went to the bathroom in only his boxers. And so, you know, he stumbles out of bed in his boxers, goes to the bathroom, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing to see here. Just Harrison. Yep. He's in the bathroom. Taking a pee. Pee. <laughs> or a poo. I don't know. Um, but as he was in the bathroom, the Tuscan 4 was hit by a huge wave and that caused the tugboat to capsize. So water rushed into the boat, but because of this safety protocol that the crew had to follow, they were much slower to make it out of their cabins and escape. It's almost like you knew that was gonna happen, no? I was just saying if it were. I was just saying if it happened. And it was a survival story and we're on a boat, there's one way that this works. Right, so yeah, that's exactly right. They had a much harder time getting out of their rooms, which is a huge problem. Meanwhile, Harrison, who's like probably half awake and sitting on the toilet. So the bathroom had this big metal door and even though he didn't have a door to unlock, there was, you know, at this point, all the water was just rushing into the boat. And so he still had a really hard time opening the door because of the pressure of the immense wave that was now inside of the boat. But he was able to force the door open. And so he's pushing this door open as hard as he possibly can, and he tried to make his way out of the bathroom, but the pressure of the water flowing was way too strong. So he just clung on for his life as he watched three of his crew members attempt to make it out of the emergency hatch. So he's like trying to do the same thing, but he can't even get out of the bathroom. And, you know, these crew members are now doing this. But to his horror... He had to watch as those three crew members were overtaken by another huge surge of water and were swept out of the emergency hatch and off the boat and into the raging ocean. So, yeah, intense. Jesus. But, like, is that not their goal is to get off the ship? I think probably their goal was to get to the top deck. That way they could get, like, a dinghy or something like survival gear or something. You know what I mean? Because they were on the lower deck where they were sleeping and then they had to get, you know, they weren't just trying to jump off the boat. You know what I mean? But, yeah, the the water was coming in and the the, the wave just swept them all away. And right after he saw his crewmates being swept away, the intense water pushed Harrison down a narrow hallway and into another bathroom, which adjoined to an officer's cabin. Oh, it's a theme today. (laughs) Yeah, he just really loves the bathroom. Harrison at this point was dazed and confused as he was pushed into this four foot square bathroom. Damn, it's small. Yeah. It's a closet. Yeah, I mean, it's a- I mean, yeah, but- It's a boat. I'm remarking. It's a tugboat. (laughs) Um, and furniture and parts of the boat were being tossed around by the water, but luckily he was able to grab onto an overturned wash basin that allowed him to stay afloat and stop from getting swept further into the ship. So as Harrison was holding onto this sink, the boat sank. Sink, sank, sunk. Um, (laughs) Sink, sank, sunk. You've been stopped. I'll stop. You're done. I was just thinking about the Grinch. I'm sorry. Na, 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 na. Wow, I feel like I know only half of the cultural references you ever make. You're not going to sit here and tell me you don't know the Grinch. 
Nope. Don't know that part. You're a mean See, one. I get that part. <laughs> That's the song. I don't remember the whole song. All right, we're getting really, we're getting really sidetracked here. <laughs> but, but like, I feel like everything you bring up, it's a 50-50 whether I get it. Well, you and are. everyone else is on the podcast is probably like, yeah. You are uncultured <laughs> is what you're saying. I'm emerging from the rock from which I have been under for the past 24 years. Well, well, Here I am. Here you are. Anyway, we got sidetracked. <laughs> Let's get back to the... <laughs> This is where my head is at now. Okay, so as Harrison was holding onto this wash basin, the boat sank 100 feet before it landed on the ocean floor, completely turned upside down. Oh, cool. Oh, no, that's like really chill and awesome, like not even concerning at all. Because of the boat landing like this, the area where Harrison was formed an air pocket that he was able to breathe in literally at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, so it's like you took a cup and like dunked it underwater and yeah. they're still... Yeah. Did you ever do that thing when you were a kid where you had like a bucket and you put the bucket over your head when you were in the pool and then you went underwater with the bucket on your head and you could still breathe underwater because of science? Because air? Because air? Air yeah. pocket? No, I have never done that. That's not, a, uni- that's not a universal experience? Now I'm going to. Now you're going to. While <laughs> we're in New York. Time, yeah, the next time we're in a pool, I'm going to be like... Where is the bucket at? Amazing. I need to do this. But yeah, I never I never thought of doing that. I was always uh I always had like those um little diver things or the torpedo things you would throw up to the bottom of the oh, pool. Oh yeah, of course. Just go get those. Yes. Did that for hours. Amazing. That's I was like a literally like a dog. Yeah, no, I can I can relate. But it was fun. Yeah. Well anyway. Anyway, I have done this bucket thing like a million times throughout my childhood. But this is essentially what was happening with Harrison. In by some stroke of luck, he yeah. the boat turned in a way like quick enough as it was going down that it formed an air pocket that Harrison stayed in as it sank 100 feet to the ocean floor. That's insane. Yeah, that's also, wild. It's like 30 meters, I believe, for those people who don't use feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all people not using feet, like i.e. the rest of the world, exactly, except for America. That's right. Where you at? Exactly. Uh, but here's another thing that I was wondering, like, is he like under immense pressure? Like, I feel like a hundred feet under sea level is probably manageable to go down that quick. I d- I don't that I wouldn't. I don't know where manageable. the scuba divers at. It doesn't seem unsurmountable, but like when you're you can't like just go a thousand feet down like that you have to like gradually mm-hmm. or else you'll get crushed and then if you come up too quick you get the bends right that's correct. so i'm like wondering since there's an air pocket uh-huh. is there the same amount of pressure on him um well you're asking me questions i don't fully know the answer to scientist however Stephanie? yeah <laughs> i'll get my What's lab coat out of the closet yeah but i'm curious if that like kind of saved him in a way i um, mean i guess also the air yeah, I think it's the but, air. Yeah. I think he was definitely uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, he definitely sure, wasn't not. in a comfortable state. As most of the stories are. For sure. Are not. No, but uh, I mean, so I'm going to talk about this later on, but for professional divers who do like deep sea diving, you're really only supposed to stay at like 100 feet for like 20 minutes. Yeah, so that's kind of what I was right hinting at. Yeah, so uh, I'm sure it wasn't great. But no, but just it wasn't great. Mm. That's all. So let's keep going. So immediately upon the boat sinking, a rescue operation was launched with 
other boats in the area along with a helicopter. A diving crew quickly located the shipwreck and marked the location with anchored buoys, which is sick. We love that. Awesome. Let's, let's get the party Quick started. Rescue. Let's go. Let's do it. The divers even went down and banged on the hull of the ship, and Harrison banged back because he heard them. He said, knock, knock, knock. Hear me, motherfuckers. Come get me out of here. <laughs> uh, but the divers couldn't hear him because they were under the water. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, The divers weren't prepared for deep sea water diving and could only stay at the depth of the wreck for a very short period of time. Like I said, like 20, probably 20 minutes. And Mm. because there was no evidence of any survivors, because it's a, it's on the bottom of the ocean, the rescue was called off. Right. If you're banging on the boat, can't you feel if somebody's banging back? Well, I don't know that they were holding their hand on the boat. And also, it's a it's a boat. It's not like a door. It's Dude. literally a whole boat. Dude, it's a boat. I'm just saying. Hear Harrison, you know? Like, what well, are we that, doing here? Guys, just hear Harrison. Just hear what him the... out. Question. You know the reference, he touched the butt, right? <laughs> um, I don't know where it's from. Oh, you're... But I've heard it. You're breaking my heart. I've heard it. See, this is another example. It's Finding Nemo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think I do remember now that you yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. it. But all right, it doesn't matter. I'm just, I was just. You're it was full just of a references tonight. It was a test, making me look bad. Well, no, no. Well, you did that yourself by not knowing. Okay. Stink, stink, no, stink. no, no. Listen, we warned you that this was going to be a punchy episode. So here we are. <laughs> Let's keep going. So they called off the rescue, and Harrison continued to stay in the air pocket in the bathroom for almost a full day after that but he really could only spend a very limited amount of time in that space because the oxygen levels in his air pocket were slowly but surely depleting. Ooh, this is like the Thai cave exactly. on a very smaller scale. Right, that's exactly right. So he mustered the courage to leave his air pocket and venture out into the ship's pitch black water and wreckage to try to find another air pocket. You know what I didn't realize until now? What? Is that he's sitting in the pitch dark are you shitting me that's literally right that's what i wrote like oh my god no that's not no don't make it gross i was just (laughs) i was just saying that i also wrote that i said that wait where is it you wrote it i wrote it we're gonna get there anyway so he built up the courage to open the door and swim into the officer's bedroom and it wasn't already open he had to open it so imagine you open the door and then water rushes in and you flood your air pocket and you're just literally on the ocean floor a hundred feet down and you, you're just, you're dead. You die. You, you drown. Wait, he can't go back? No, because, no, I'm saying, I'm saying imagine he opened the door and water rushed in and then he, that's it. Ooh. Could you imagine? Like, think, think about the courage you had to have to like, one, leave the air pocket at all. Yeah. Two, you're in pitch black you're in pitch black in wreckage in your your crewmates bodies are just around you know you had to do you had to do that he did that yeah i mean well when faced with the decision of dying there or dying in the water i don't know which one i would pick yeah or not only not only like if you open the door and you flood the air pocket but like think about if you're swimming through the dark water not knowing if there's another air pocket because the fact that there was an air pocket for him to be in at all is like a miracle a miracle like that's a miracle so you know he's really gambling on his life 
to see mm-hmm. if there's another air pocket, which I mean, he needed to find because he would have died of, he would have suffocated without it. But at the right. same time, like he's in pitch black swimming through debris in an upside down ship, which is very disorienting. Mm. It's just, I can't, like... It's fucking wild. It's fucking wild. The other wild. thing, though, is, like, I don't think you would open the door and it rushes in, because it's clearly not watertight, because yeah. it's already sitting in water. No, I know. I was just, I was just given a hypothetical. Like... Hypothetical, yeah. I mean, that's... that's I think in the moment, if you, like, you you might think that, but, like, I don't think it would ever be the case that, like, unless it was actually watertight, that would happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, he was able to feel around the ship until arriving at the officer's bedroom bath, the officer's bedroom bathroom, where miraculously there was another air pocket, which I mean makes sense considering he's still alive. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So he's uh he's gambled and won. He's won. He's won the fucking lottery. Oh yeah, he has. He's down there, and this one was about four feet high and would give Harrison a renewed source of oxygen to breathe from. Now that Harrison could breathe again, he was able to focus on some other problems like the fact that he was absolutely freezing. <laughs> I thought you were about to say fucked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, we get it. You know, the small other problem of him being absolutely <laughs> fucked. <laughs> that's yeah. that's so, not wrong. How cold is this water? I don't have the temperature, but it, I... It ain't. It ain't warm. It ain't warm. Uh, well, the surface temperature of the East Atlantic in May is a vacation-like 81 degrees Fahrenheit, but, that is. Um, but 100 feet below sea level, the temperature was much colder, as you could expect. And let's keep in mind that Harrison was only wearing boxers. Not a, right. not a wetsuit, not not a snow clothes, jacket, not pants. not even clothes or shoes, just boxers. Yep. So now hypothermia is a very real concern. So Harrison cautiously felt around the cabin and was able to find some tools in the wreckage. Bro, what? Dude, what the what? heck are you? Harrison's he, on some other dude, shit. He like... found another air pocket mm-hmm. and he's finding tools. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, here's a wrench. Oh, here's a hammer. Here's <laughs> oh, sick. I love Ooh, this. I yeah. left it here. Oh, a Phillips. Yeah, right. Like what? What do you mean? Dude, this man's resourceful. This man had a guardian angel or some shit. Yeah, like, he's lucky. Yeah. So he used these tools to remove the wall paneling, which also made me think, if he removed the wall paneling, couldn't that let water in? Don't you think? You're, like, very concerned. Uh, are you not concerned? <laughs> I think well, we I need mean, to have a chat if you're not concerned. You know, you gotta rip the wood paneling or die of hypothermia. What are we doing here? Well, yeah, no, I understand why he did it, but I'm just saying, think about yeah, that. Yeah, you rip that off. And then mm. water comes, and you lose your air pocket. Your, your ship is upside down. Well, there could be water above you. There actually there... is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you mention that, because there's a hundred feet of water. <laughs> and I don't know. Above you. The rest of the ocean. Right. All right, God, scratch that from the record. This is another level of punchy. <laughs> scratch that from the record. Great. Okay, so anyway. So he removes the wood paneling, and it doesn't cause water to rush in. It doesn't. So with a mattress, he found. 
<laughs> what? So no, we're, no. Oh, we're yeah. not moving on from that. He finds a mattress well, just I mean, floating. It was the captain's cabin, so it oh. was. I was the captain's mattress, I'm sure. But so with a mattress and the material that he stripped from the wall, he was able to make a platform and hoist the upper half of his body out of the water, which definitely slowed the heat leaving his body and stopped hypothermia from happening. Right. Also, if his body is above the water, is it also heating the air around him? Because it's, like, closed in. Like, your body's kind of, like, emitting heat, right? I don't know if that would kind of help him, too. Uh, I don't know. Move on from that. Yeah, let's move on. I don't know. Oh, this is where I said it. I said, also just realize he's in complete darkness because there's no light on the ocean floor. That's that's so scary. Yeah. (laughs) He couldn't see shit. No light. So, imagine being alone for what is it now a day over a day two yeah imagine being alone by yourself in one room for 24 hours no food and you're in the dark and you're hypothermic and you're on the ocean floor you're on the ocean floor and the rescue team has abandoned you Mm -hmm. what do you do what would you do to get off the ocean floor (laughs) okay Okay, quick quick question no 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 quick question um, which do you think is scarier, space or the ocean? Mm, space. Like, I feel like at least the ocean, we've, like, kind of charted out. No, we, we like, have not. I mean, we haven't charted out the depths of it, but, like, we go across it quite regularly. Yeah, we go but across think about, it, but think about How many people have sailed the ocean? Uh-huh. How many people have been in space? Yeah, no, no, for sure. Logically, I think space is probably the right answer. However, I don't go into space. I go in the ocean. You know what I mean? The ocean is scary, period. Because we only have seen 5% of it is like some crazy statistic like that. So think about what the fuck is in the ocean. We don't know. We don't fucking know. And the shit that we do know is still scary. You know? Mm, Yeah, but like we've seen some of it. Not enough. You know, 5% more than 4 I don't trust it. You know? I don't trust it. You think we've seen 5% of space? Yeah, no, I, I think that. I don't want to talk about space because space... You brought it up. You're right. It's my fault. I suck. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I think space is the right answer, but the ocean's still scary is my point. Yes. Anyway, he he sensed he was not alone in the darkness. He said, I was very, very cold and it was black. I couldn't see anything, which is... Right. Right. We've already established both of those things. Thank you, Harrison. Um, (laughs) God, Harrison, shut the fuck up. It was... (laughs) Harrison is hungry, thirsty, freezing, in complete darkness, and he's absolutely terrified. He tried to think about his family, and being that he was a very religious man, he prayed a lot while he was down there. He would pray to Jesus to come rescue him. He said, all around me was just black and noisy. I was crying and calling on Jesus to rescue me. I prayed so hard. I was so hungry and thirsty and cold. I was just praying to see some kind of light. And actually, I think he had one bottle of Coke. To survive on. Really? Yep. Which is better than nothing. But as time went on, the seawater began to erode the skin on his tongue. Oh no. Which sounds extremely painful. No, no, no. On your tongue? Yeah. Of all places. Mm -hmm. Not to mention this whole time he could smell something rotting and believed it to be the decomposing bodies of his lost crew members. Oh. He said, I could perceive the dead bodies of my crew were nearby. I could smell them. The fish came in and began eating the bodies. I could hear the sound. It was horror. Oh my god. Yeah. How unnerving. I know. 
Any little sound that was made in the ship would be amplified in that small space down there. The hull of the ship would creak and debris would bang against the side of the ship. And worst of all, Harrison would also hear the splashing and nibbling of fish in the darkness that were most likely eating the corpses of his crew. Meanwhile, on the surface, a dive support vessel, the Lewick Toucan, arrived at the scene of the wreck. The company that owned the ship's was West African Ventures, and they had hired a deep-sea salvage saturation team from Subsea Services Company to DCN Global. That is a mouthful. Yes, it is. Which was basically this support team to retrieve the bodies of the drowned crew members. The six divers, deck crew, and technical staff of the Lewick Toucan uh, knew that this mission was going to be uniquely difficult, Aside from the task of recovering the dead bodies, the boat had landed upside down in the soft mud of the ocean floor, which was a problem because it stirred up all the fine silt that was down there, which created extremely poor visibility. On top of this, due to the security protocols of the ship, the boat was latched shut from the inside. Among the second dive team that would retrieve the bodies was Nico Van Heerden, Andre Erasmus, and Daryl Ustizen. 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 Thank you. You like that? Yeah. Colby Warrett also supported the team by helping them navigate the ship via a connected camera and microphone worn by Nico. The team spent over an hour breaking through a watertight door on the hull of the ship before continuing on to break another metal door that would lead them inside. And once they made it inside the ship, with visibility incredibly reduced and, and the ship being positioned upside down, it was extremely disorienting for the divers. The ceiling was on the bottom and the floor was on the top, so it was weird. Yeah, no, this is like, I don't know, something out of a movie. Yeah, like. it was some weird shit. So not only that, but the murky waters were also filled with all sorts of furniture, equipment, and other hazards, which made the dive even more complicated. The dive was painstakingly slow, but they managed to explore the boat and recover four corpses. Around this time was when Nico crawled up the stairs to the main deck of the boat. It was a really, really tight squeeze with all of his equipment he was wearing, but as he was making his way through this section of the boat, Harrison sees the light from his diving equipment and manages to swim down to him. So Could at- you imagine? No. No, I could not. Hey, dude. Hey. Hey. Oh, hey. Been hanging out here. How are you doing? Funny seeing you here at the bottom of the fucking ocean. Right. So as Nico is swimming, he sees Harrison's hand like come toward him and so when he sees it he thinks that it's just the hand of another corpse and he and like because okay so this oh my god I would shit my pants yeah yeah you'd you'd shit your scuba suit no but so he assumed it was the hand of a corpse and so you know this he's wearing the camera because there's a guy on the ship above them who's like directing them through the ship through a microphone and whatever so he's talking to this guy in the camera and so this is recorded you can literally watch this video on youtube i think i'm gonna i'm gonna try to post it on instagram because it's just so incredible but so we see it we see the hand come out toward him and he goes oh there's another one thinking it's a corpse and so he it brushes him like he he reaches out to it or something or the hand like touches him and then it squeezes him and he's like he's alive he's alive he's alive and he starts freaking out because of course and so now nico and colby who was watching from the camera is freaking out because they realize that this person 
is not a corpse and he is alive on the bottom of the ocean. So Colby instructs Nico to pat Harrison on the shoulder and give him a thumbs up to kind of... <laughs> oh my God. You did it, brother. You did it. Good job. Um, yeah, to kind of soothe him. He's like, he's like, just pat him on the shoulder, give him a thumbs up. <laughs> He's doing great. Tell give him. him some comfort. Yeah, give him something. So right before this second diving mission was launched, Harrison had almost given up all hope because, of course. But when he heard the hammering of the hull on the boat from when they were trying to get the two doors open, he knew it had to be divers. And he tried banging on the wall, but again, they didn't hear him. And that's when he saw the light from Nico's headlamp. The divers were absolutely amazed to find a living person down there. The maximum depth for recreational diving is 130 feet or 40 meters, but generally recreational divers don't stay at 100 meter or 100 feet or 30 meters for more than 20 minutes, like I said earlier. A training consultant from the Professional Association of Diving Instructors said, quote, to survive that long at the depth at that depth is phenomenal. Normally you would dive recreational for no more than 20 minutes at those depths. And in terms of the air pocket, the divers had reached Harrison at the perfect time. A human inhales roughly 350 cubic feet or 10 cubic meters of air every 24 hours. However, because the boat was under pressure on the ocean floor, scientists estimate that Harrison's air pocket had been compressed by a factor of about four, which I don't know what it means, but that's the T. <laughs> That's the T. That's Does the that mean that there's more air in the pocket? So if the pressurized air pocket had been about 216 cubic feet, it would have had enough oxygen to keep Harrison alive for about two and a half days, which it did. That's which exactly... Which is dope right. for Harrison. Exactly. And when Harrison was located, he had already been underwater for about 60 hours. Holy fuck, man. Yeah. That is two and a half days. Yeah. That sure is. And the CO2 buildup was also an issue because once CO2 reaches a concentration of 5%, it becomes fatal to humans. What were we at? Uh, not 5%. <laughs> but close. I can say that confidently. You're very confident. And obviously, as we breathe, we're exhaling CO2, so Harrison's tiny space was losing oxygen and gaining carbon dioxide. However, luckily for him, because he was splashing around, the CO2 levels were decreased because CO2 is absorbed by water, which I didn't know. And he was but, increasing the surface level of the water, which increased the level of absorption. Isn't whoa. that sick? That's he didn't sick. even know. No, that's sick. That's sick though. Yeah. Also, I think CO2 is what carbonation is in your, in like soda or like club soda. Uh-huh. Mm, just saying okay the shit absorbs but that's dope so like this thing that he was doing that he probably had no idea is what actually saved his life yeah yes that's incredible yeah when the divers found harrison he did have co2 poisoning he was short of breath and delirious and they said he wouldn't have lasted much longer at all the first thing they did to start the process of getting him out was they put hot water on him to keep his body warm and then fitted him for an oxygen mask okay where do you get in hot water that's from? what i was wondering i don't know at the bottom of the ocean they probably sent it down they had a ship of... they uber eats to yeah exactly they said <laughs> just one hot tea please. but like even at the top like who's got hot water laying around well they got a boat they got they got running water i'm sure 
Did they like boil a tea kettle and sit it's down? It's like a it's what? like a rescue vessel. They have okay, shit. Whatever. Whatever. I'm fixating again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so meanwhile, on the surface, the dive support crew was in contact with medical and diving experts because this wasn't like a rescue mission. This was like a recover corpses mission. So they weren't prepared to be like rescuing a person a hundred feet under the ocean. Right. And they had already found four corpses of them. Yeah. Which like, I don't know how you like talk. I mean, I guess you kind of have to talk about it in those terms, but like they were talking about it. Like it was like finding pieces of wood. Yeah. I mean, you know, what can you do? I know, but it's just like so weird. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bleak, but you know, at least they found a survivor. Um, but it was determined that Harrison had a new problem. He had what divers call the bends. And the bends are also known as decompression sickness or casein disease. And it occurs when nitrogen bubbles form in the blood as a result in changes of pressure, which meant that if Harrison ascended to the surface of the water too quickly, the bubbles in his blood would cause, in the best case, joint pain and rashes. And in the worst case, it could cause paralysis, neurological issues, cardiac arrest, or even death. The divers knew that bringing him suddenly to the surface would induce a deadly attack of the bends, and the team needed to skillfully readjust the gas levels in Okene's body. So because of this, it was determined that Harrison had to be treated like one of the saturation divers coming back up after a dive. And saturation diving is a diving technique that allows divers working at great depths to reduce time spent undergoing decompression. If that much nitrogen filled any living person, they would most likely die if they rushed their heartbeat, which means a survivor in that instance should be helped into not panicking. (laughs) How do you do that? Right. Christine Cridge, uh, who is a medical director of the Plymouth-based Diving Diseases Research Center, said his heart wouldn't have been able to pump back on land because it was just so full of gas. So the process of getting Harrison back up is very, very tricky. They started by having him breathe with the oxygen tank down at, you know, the bottom of the ocean for 20 minutes. And after that, they fitted him with a diving suit and a diving helmet. And then they had to guide Harrison out of the ship. Now, just like the boys in the Thai cave, they were really, really concerned that he would freak out and, you know, cause not only himself to be killed, but cause the other divers to be killed. So this was a big worry of theirs, but they had no choice. But the divers were pleasantly surprised to see that Harrison was able to keep calm underneath the water and move at a slow and steady pace. So he didn't make his heart rate accelerate too much to the point where he would die. He stayed cool as a cucumber and they got him where he needed to go. Oh, so he got back. No. Well... He didn't make it to the surface. They brought him to a diving bell. Okay. But yeah, I think, I feel like from Harrison's perspective, I've literally just gone through two days in the pitch black Mm -hmm. from one air pocket to another where I didn't know I was going to find the second air pocket and I didn't know that I was going to even be alive. Mm -hmm. And then I used a mattress and wood paneling to save myself. Mm -hmm. This is nothing. At least now I know I'm going to live. That's true. Which I would imagine is fairly calming. And if he was able to, like, kind of stay relatively calm. Yeah. Given the circumstances he was in, like, I don't know. It makes sense. Maybe that's why. 
No, that's that makes sense. Um, so they brought Harrison to a diving bell, and a diving bell is a rigid chamber used to transport divers from the surface to depth and back in open water. Anyway, the two that most common types are a wet bell and a closed bell. The wet bell has an open bottom, but the closed bell has a hatch, and the bottom is closed and helps maintain the pressure under the surface. So at the surface, this type of bell can lock on to a hyperbaric chamber where the divers live under saturation or are decompressed. So it just helps them to not get the bends and die. So they put him in that diving bell and then they pulled the diving bell to the surface where he could decompress. Harrison lost consciousness during the transfer, but managed to survive that as well. The bell then brought him to safety, I said, at the surface, which we know, and he finally arrived topside around 7 p.m. on Tuesday, May 28th. He was still very disoriented and thought that it was Sunday evening, which would have meant that he had only been down there for 12 hours. But Really? He yeah. only thought it was 12 hours? Yeah, he had no concept of time. He was... I mean, yeah, but that's like another thing that you wouldn't think about. Yeah. Yeah. He was shocked to find out that he'd actually been underwater for over two days. When Harrison was removed from the diving bell, he was transferred to a decompression chamber where he stayed for another two and a half days while his body decompressed to surface pressure. He had just been exposed, oh, had he just been exposed immediately to the outside air, he would have died. Like, no question. And of the JASCON 4, divers were able to save Harrison and recover 10 of the bodies. That left one body that wasn't found, but the search had to be called off due to the dangerous conditions. So imagine they they found 10 bodies, they didn't find Harrison yet, and then they were like, well, it's too dangerous to go back down. Wow. You know? Like, it's, it's very lucky that they found him when they did, because it really could have been... Yeah, I know. Yeah. That could have been very bad. Also, can you imagine, like, hearing everything and then, like, hearing the sounds fade? Yeah. Oof. That's, that's a scary thought. That didn't happen. That didn't and happen. Harrison survived. And he survived. Um, Harrison had assumed that all other 11 crew members made it safely to the surface when the boat was went down, which kind of is confusing to me because he heard his crewmates being eaten and he smelled the bodies, but... Apparently, he thought they all got out. Maybe he was just very much in denial. I don't know. But it wasn't until later that he learned that he was the sole survivor. Or maybe he thought that, like, maybe a couple of them died, but, like, most of them made it out. Right. But he was very shocked to find out that he was the only one that survived. And after this whole ordeal, Harrison was able to make a full recovery and returned to his home of Wari, Nigeria. I don't know if that's correct, but um, at home, Harrison made the decision not to attend the funerals of any of his crew members because he feared the reaction of their families. Nigerians can be very religious and superstitious, so rumors had begun to spread that Harrison had saved himself through black magic. So he's like, I don't want to be there for that, you know? Oh, so like if you go, you'll you'll be accused of black magic and witchcraft? I mean, yeah, potentially. Yeah, I guess I can't blame him. But yeah, when he first said it, I was like, why would he not go? Yeah. I'm I'm sure that he wanted to. I'm sure he did. But That's it was really shitty. Yeah, it was the family that he Damn. was like, uh That kind of sucks. It does suck. It does. It doesn't kind of suck. It does suck. It does. He described his extraordinary survival story as a miracle, 
but the memories of his time in the watery darkness still haunts him. How can it not? Yeah. That is just literally out of a nightmare. Yes. Yeah. Harrison was dealing with survival, survivor's guilt and PTSD. He suffered from peeling skin, reoccurring nightmares, and insatiable hunger, but was otherwise in good health. He is planning on writing a book about his experience, but has yet to do that. Um, and since then, Harrison has gotten a job as a chef on dry land and has vowed to never take another job on a boat, which I, I don't blame Amen, him. Amen, brother. Yeah, he said that while he was trapped in the boat, he made a pact with God. And he said, when I was under the water, I told God, if you rescue me, I will never go back to the sea again. And that is the story of Harrison Okene. Wow. Yep. Harrison Ojegba. Yes. Okane. That's correct. That's right. Um, that's crazy. And mm-hmm. he does he fly over water? I don't anymore? know. Like God, I can't even imagine. I would never. Yeah, I would never even look at a boat again. Yeah, no, me neither. Nope. Yeah, I can't imagine the like mental fortitude that it took to get through two and a half days under the water. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you've have you ever had like dreams where you're like like I've had dreams kind of like this situation where you're like so far away from civilization and so hopelessly like lost and you're like in pitch black but it's it really felt like this situation and like i've had nightmares about this really um type of situation mm-hmm. but i imagine that he felt really similar because you're at the bottom of the ocean mm-hmm. and it's pitch black and nobody like people have come and went for you mm-hmm. that feeling of hopelessness and like just kind of the world has like been taken out from under you mm-hmm. is just overwhelming y- yes that sounds terrible yeah, but um, luckily I didn't actually have to go through it. I yeah, dream yeah. about it. Like, yeah, that's still but... bad. That's still I. I still don't even want that. Yeah, know? no, it's not fun. Nah, but you know, it's incredible. And he, so he was like talking with God the whole time. So he's mm-hmm. a religious man. Yes, very, very. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, I wonder if that like helped him get through too. I'm sure it did. Yeah, I'm sure it did. It's incredible. It's really just incredible and scientists have said like the fact that there were air pockets at all it like is not like is incredible it's it does not make sense to like scientists to experts you know yeah and he had two of them yeah that's crazy but i mean isn't there crazy scientists like come on like when you (laughs) when you overturn a, a boat yeah and it sinks if it happens quick enough there'll be air yeah but i feel like to have it happen it would really have to be a quick flip of the boat to go completely upside down you know because yeah if you think about a boat capsizing it goes on its side Wait, also like the hull has to be completely waterproof because there's that hatch right that has to stay intact exactly. otherwise right yeah yeah because if you think about a boat being capsized it goes on its side and then it flips upside down. So, like, the water right, comes right. in. It, I feel like for it to completely, like, to make an air pocket, it had to, like, completely flip in, like, a second. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, Jesus Christ. Could you imagine you're just, like... No! <laughs> you're, like, just on the toilet, about to cook breakfast. Yeah. In your boxers. Not <laughs> a care in the world. your world flips on its head. Yeah. My yeah. life got flipped, turned upside down. All right. Well, yeah, no, about, enough about that. Does he have a family? Uh, yeah, he has a wife. And I, I don't know who else, but he has a wife. That's good. They got he got back to her. Yeah. Anyway, you have a good thing. Um, I'm gonna let you go first. Okay. 
my good thing is uh, I was just talking to my older sister on the phone um, and I asked her what she wanted me to make as far as alcohol goes, like drinks, while she and I are home together. And she was like, pina coladas. And I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. So we're going to have frozen pina coladas like soon. That's going to be dope. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Is there a chance of getting caught in the rain? Do you have half a brain? (laughs) (laughs) And you have half a brain. (laughs) Okay. My good thing, and I don't know if I've said this before, is my good thing on the podcast, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going home at the end of June. Yup. See my family. Yup. And I get to see my baby cousin, Dane and Mm -hmm. Danica. Oh, yeah. Whom I am so excited to see. Yeah. And I get to see all my friends when I get home. Yep. Hopefully. Hopefully they're not gone. That would suck. But yep. um, Yeah, it's a long time coming. Yes. So very excited about that. It's about a what month from now. Yeah. So that is my good thing. Good. Good. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram and keep up with the stuff that we post, follow us at nottoday underscore podcast. Send us your emails at notodaypodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok at nottodaypodcast. Follow us on Twitter at nottodaypodcast with the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah.